Hello, fans, and welcome to episode number 33 of the Atlanta Gladiators podcast. I'm the host and the director of broadcasting and communications with the Gladiators, Mike Fulta. Today is Tuesday, July 19th, and we have a lot to get to here on this episode. We're going to go through Derek Nesbitt's retirement. We're going to go through the first player signing of the Gladiators that was announced just today. We're going to go through some South Division news, and we have a pair of interviews for you coming up later in the episodes. We have a Gwinnett Stripers crossover, Preston Tucker, a guy who spent a couple seasons in Major League Baseball, who's now in AAA with the Stripers. He jumps on with us, as well as the Stripers broadcaster, Dave Lazat. So two fun interviews at the uh, latter half of this episode. Stick around for Preston Tucker and Dave Lazat. First, we want to mention that season tickets and single game tickets are now available. The best way to get those tickets, the best way to get the lowest prices is to call the Gladiators front office 770-497-5100. That's where you'll find Bailey, Tori, Trevor, Wyatt, Anna. They will help you get the lowest prices for your tickets possible. But let's get to the some of the biggest news that the Gladiators have had in the past couple weeks really in the past couple months, and that is back on July 11th, longtime Gladiator and Gladiator's captain Derek Nesbitt announced his retirement from playing professional hockey, a 16-year playing career. Nine of those seasons were spent in Atlanta with the Gladiators. Uh, this last season, Nesbitt put up 51 points, 18 goals, 33 assists, uh, and that was done in just over 60 games. So he had a productive final season, maybe even leaving the fans wanting a little bit more, but an incredible pro career for Nezi. We will surely have him on in the next couple of weeks here. We just couldn't get him for this episode because he's dealing with his youth camps uh, over at the Ice Forum. Of course, he is the uh, director of youth hockey over at the Ice Forum, something, uh, a position that he will now be able to dedicate his full time to that and his family as well as young son Declan and his wife Whitney. They're going to enjoy having him uh, at home instead of uh, on the road constantly as he was during his playing career. So over 1,000 pro games for Derek Nesbitt, uh, 1,040 to be exact. That does not even include playoffs. But over those uh, more than 1,000 games, Nesbitt put up over 800 points, 325 pro goals, 480 professional assists. A lot of those came with the Gladiators. While in Atlanta with the Glads, Nesbitt had 512 uh, Gladiators games played, 166 Gladiators goals, 158 Gladiators assists, and 424 total points with the Gladiators. So that's a lot of numbers being thrown at you, but the long and short of it is, he is the all-time leader in Gladiators history in pretty much every single category, excluding penalty minutes. The only category that he's not tops in that's offensive-related is uh, assists that includes the playoffs. So all-time assists, including the postseason. Andy Brandt has him by just a hair in that category. But all the regular season stuff, Nezzy is tops across the board. Uh, just to give you some perspective uh, we mentioned that Nesbitt had 512 games played with the Gladiators. The next closest on that all-time list for Atlanta is Andy Brandt, and he's 155 games away. So more than two full seasons 
behind Nezi in that category. So the Gladiators are uh, losing a pillar of their franchise, at least on the ice. He's still going to be in the Duluth area, like we said, with the ice for him. So he'll still be near. He'll still be at Gladiators games and uh, in that capacity, still be somewhat involved in the uh, Atlanta hockey community. He just won't be on the ice for the Glads anymore. There was a really nice article done uh, by Christine Troike in the uh, Gwinnett Daily Post that you might want to check out talking about uh, Nesbitt and, and his career and his decision to retire. It's a lot of uh, Nesbitt's own quotes. Uh, so I encourage you to go and check that out in the GDP. Uh, Derek Nesbitt also went on 11 Alive, their sports extra segment with Maria Martin, had a fun chat with her that they aired uh, this past weekend as well. So along with Derek Nesbitt's retirement, some other news kind of in that same sphere came out in that same week, and that is on November 13th, the Gladiators are actually going to retire Derek Nesbitt's number 17. So no other Gladiators player will be allowed to wear number 17. Again, that's November 13th. That's a Sunday 3 o'clock puck drop against the Savannah Ghost Pirates, the newest ECHL team. And uh, that will just be the second ever time that the Ghost Pirates will be visiting uh, Gwinnett County and, and taking on the Gladiators in Atlanta. So it'll be a fun afternoon, and the Glads are going to honor Derek Nesbitt. And that number 17 will be pulled up into the rafters alongside the number 44 of Cam Brown and the number 41 of Andy Brandt. Those are the only other two numbers that have been retired by the Gladiators franchise. Interesting, both Brown and Brandt played with Nesbitt. Cam Brown's final year in 05-06 was Derek Nesbitt's rookie season. That was the Gladiators team that made it all the way to the Kelly Cup Finals. And then Andy Brandt played with Nezzy in uh, the 07-08 season, the 2010-2011 season, and then Brandt actually coached Nesbitt for three seasons starting in 2014. So a lot of crossover there, and as long as Derek Nesbitt has played, he has either played with, played against, or played for about everybody who is uh, in pro hockey or, or has been around pro hockey in the last couple years. So November 13th, the Sunday at 3 o'clock, the game against the Savannah Ghost Pirates. It's going to be an awesome time to honor Derek Nesbitt uh, once again, retire his number. Interesting note as well, the Falcons actually play uh, on Thursday night of that week. So there's no Falcons game that Sunday. So you really have no excuse not to make it out to the Coliseum and uh, help us honor Nezzy and retire his number for that game. We mentioned that that's the second matchup against the Ghost Pirates in uh, Gwinnett County. The first matchup is Sunday, October 23rd. That is opening weekend. That is going to be a monster weekend. The first two games... Friday and Saturday on October 21st and 22nd are both going to be against division rival Florida Everblades, the defending Kelly Cup champions. So we've got those two games coming in. And then again, uh, Savannah on that Sunday, October, 20, uh, October 23rd, the first time that the Ghost Pirates will get to see the Gladiators and the first time that the fans uh, will get to see this Ghost Pirates team taking on the hometown Glads. It's kind of an interesting Atlanta sports weekend, that opening weekend as well. Uh, UGA, the Bulldogs, uh, their football team has a bye. They are not playing that week. Georgia Tech football plays on Thursday of that week. And the Falcons are on the road in Cincinnati 
on that Sunday. So again, there's there's really no other big-time sports going on that weekend. Uh, of course, it depends if the Braves are going to be in the World Series again. That could be uh, a little different story. Uh, however, at least football-wise, it's a pretty open weekend. And so uh, that should allow uh, even more fans, maybe some of those casual fans that, that other, otherwise might have gotten swept up by UGA or Georgia Tech or, or the Atlanta Falcons, it'll allow them to, to come in and enjoy that opening weekend. The Gladiators did announce their top eight promotions. Uh, opening weekend counts as one of those promotions. Then there's Nickelodeon Night, Mesh Replica Jersey Night, Stick It to Cancer, and Military First Responders, Marvel Night, Teddy Bear Toss, and Star Wars Night as well. So kind of a lot of the same uh, promotions that we've seen here in Atlanta over the past couple of years. Keep in mind that with, uh, with some of those um, some of those brands such as Star Wars, Nickelodeon, Marvel, the league has deals uh, with those franchises, and so pretty much every team uh, has has some of those uh, type promotions. So you're going to see those every year, uh, no matter if you're a Gladiators fan or a Ghost Pirates fan or a Jacksonville Iceman fan or whoever. Uh, those are pretty much built into the promo calendar every single season, some of those, those bigger brands. There are a lot more really cool promotions that are kind of in the pipeline that are still getting ironed out as far as details and logistics. I can tell you that. Uh, so keep a lookout for some really fun, uh, interesting nights here for the Gladiators. Again, that season starting in October. So let's get into some roster news. And we did have some roster news come across the wire just today. Eric Neely is the first signee for 2022-2023 with the Gladiators. Been seeing on social media some fans who were concerned about the lack of player signings being announced for the Gladiators and people speculating this, that, and, and the other thing. And, and look, from what it looks like, the Gladiators wanted to honor Derek Nesbitt and his retirement and kind of give him uh, and his announcement a little bit of space to breathe uh, and allow him to have some shine. And then once that time had kind of come and gone, then it's time to look ahead to the 2022-2023 season. And so that's why you're seeing some of these signings uh, not made until the middle of July, whereas other teams, which we'll get into in a little bit, have made a handful of signings already. But Eric Neely is the first guy to uh, be announced by the Gladiators, and that is a huge piece coming back for Atlanta. 33 points in 48 games for Neal's last year, 20 goals, five multi-goal games, including a hat-trick on the last home regular season game uh, of the season last year against Jacksonville on April 9th, 49 penalty minutes as well. He's a guy who's gritty. Uh, he can produce, and he can cave your face in, too, uh, if you, you cross him the wrong way here. Remember last year, he was kind of a part-time player. He was working in youth hockey at the Ice Forum. He was signed late into the offseason, kind of right before the start of the campaign. And if you listen back to some of our earlier interviews, especially with uh, head coach Jeff Pyle talking about Niels, he had come in, seen the group that was already built up and said, I want to be a part of this. Well, he has said that again uh, to the group this year. So he'll be back full time this year and hopefully he'll play closer to a full schedule. He still almost played uh, 50 games last year, so he saw a, a lot of time. And remember, he was banged up at, at certain points throughout the season as well. He uh, had kind of a, a nasty collision into the boards in Florida. He was playing injured in that Jacksonville series in the postseason. Uh, I can tell you for, with absolute certainty, he was playing through a tremendous amount of pain, 
uh, just to get out onto the ice was extremely painful for him. But he was gritting through that in the playoffs, uh, as were many others as well. But he is a, a big addition for this Gladiators team. There's a quote in the press release that uh, the team sent out earlier today from Neely. Quote, I'm very excited to be back for another year with the Glads. Obviously, it was a disappointing ending last season, but that just makes all of us hungrier and more excited for this upcoming one. Atlanta is my home, so there's no place else I'd rather be playing or want to win a championship. And if that is not exactly what you want to hear uh, as a Gladiators fan or anybody around the organization, I mean, that is that is exactly uh, what we're looking for, someone who was disappointed about last year and ready to win a championship this year. So with no more Derek Nesbitt, Eric Neely is now the longest tenured gladiator on this uh, or will be on this group. This will be his fifth year with the team. He first played with Atlanta back in the 15-16 season, then played the next year in 16-17, uh, went to Europe for a little bit, played in the UK in the EIHL, the Elite Ice Hockey League before coming back in that COVID-shortened season in 2019-2020, and then, of course, last year as well. Eric Neely has sneakily gotten up to fourth all-time in Gladiators goals. He has 78 Gladiators goals, and he's actually just uh, one goal behind Brad Shell, who has 79 and is in third place all-time in Gladiators goals. So, Eric Neely, kind of among the Gladiators' greats, uh, and especially with as long as he's been with the team and as long as he will continue to be with the team, including this upcoming season, he has a chance to move even higher up those leaderboards. So before we get to our two interviews, again, that's Preston Tucker and Dave Lazat with the Gwinnett Stripers. Really fun to talk to them. Uh, Preston Tucker, big hockey guy, actually. Grew up in Tampa. He's a big Tampa Bay Lightning fan. And then Dave Lazat, the broadcaster for the Stripers, uh, grew up in Wisconsin, so uh, turns out he's a big Avalanche fan as well, and, and we'll touch on that with him uh, a little bit later. So there is some hockey talk coming up with, with Preston and Dave here in a little bit. But before we get to them, uh, let's kind of run through some South Division news here over the past couple of weeks of this offseason, starting with the Orlando Solar Bears, who uh, after Orlando and their previous head coach, Drake Barahowski, parted ways this offseason, the team named Matt Kartner as the new head coach and general manager. Kartner spent five years in uh, the American Hockey League as an assistant coach with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, who are now the Bridgeport Islanders. And then this last year, Kartner was coaching his son's 14U team up in Connecticut. So a little break from pro hockey for him there. Uh, but previously, Kartner had played 237 games in the NHL and just under 600 AHL games. He's a hard-nosed D-man from his playing days. Uh, and so it's a bit of a change of scenery for, for him, but also for the organization as they move on from Drake Barahowski, who had brought them to the postseason uh, in four of his six years with the club. Orlando also acquired Carson Denomi from the Tulsa Oilers. That was fulfilling a future considerations clause. Denomi, a 22-year-old rookie who was pretty productive last year, 37 points uh, in 63 games with Tulsa. That was as a rookie, so he will no longer be uh, a rookie this year. But uh, a productive young forward up front for Orlando that they're able to bring in. They haven't uh, named too many other uh, players that they brought in. In fact, they haven't named any at all, any signees quite yet. Uh, but moving on from Orlando to Greenville, they have been naming players. They have signed 
four players, uh, all four of which were on the team last year. Uh, defenseman Kevin McKernan, and then forwards Dallas Gerrads, Bryce Reddick, and Aiden McDonald. If you remember from last year, Bryce Reddick was actually a player coach. He was helping cut video and some of that stuff uh, for Andrew Lord, the head coach in Greenville, but he is going to be on the ice again this year as a player. So uh, Kevin McKernan, Dallas Gerrads, Bryce Reddick, and Aiden McDonald for, for Greenville that uh, got re-signed for this year. And then, of course, Greenville had their NHL affiliation shaken up a little bit. The Florida Everblades defending Kelly Cup champions, they are now affiliated with the Florida Panthers and the Charlotte Checkers. That is who Greenville had previously been affiliated with, but the Everblades are now with uh, the Florida Panthers organization. They leave the Nashville Predators and the Milwaukee Admirals. They leave that pairing who they had been with for the last couple of seasons. The South Carolina Stingrays have been busy in the offseason. Uh, Brendan Kotick was named the full-time head coach in June. He was serving uh, as an intern last season. Uh, three players in June were brought into South Carolina right at that future considerations deadline. Brendan St. Louis, Grant Cooper, and Gavin Gold. St. Louis and Cooper, both rookies uh, coming in this year. And then uh, Gavin Gold, a, a 2022 All-Star, 26 points in 23 games with Allen last year. So didn't even play half the season, but they saw enough from him in the first half of the campaign uh, to name him an all-star last year. So kind of a breakout for uh, Gavin Gold, and South Carolina will no doubt be happy to have him. Gold saw some time with Greenville prior to last season when he was primarily with Allen uh, down in the ECHL. Stingrays also brought in a bevy of other players, a uh, handful of forwards, Josh Wilkins, Kevin O'Neill, and Johnny Evans, and then a defenseman, Chase Stewart. Stewart didn't play last year at all, uh, but he has seen time with South Carolina previously. Johnny Evans, an interesting case here for South Carolina. Six goals in his last 11 games for the Stingrays. Came on with them at the end of the year. He'll still be a rookie for this upcoming season, but uh, he flashed a lot of potential late uh, last year for the Stingrays when they were already out of the playoff race. Now, the Jacksonville Iceman signed their head coach, Nick Luco to a multi-year contract extension. They brought in some uh, new blood as well. Mike Smatula and Matt Salhaney are both coming to Jacksonville. Smatula had seen time with the Iceman before. Salhaney is a newcomer to the organization. Both were playing in Denmark together last year. The Icemen are also bringing back Jacob Panetta, a nice puck-moving defenseman uh, for the Icemen last season. He'll be returning along with Jake Hamaker, uh, a rookie forward out of RIT, and Luke Keenan, a rookie forward out of Princeton. The Icemen traded Vladislav Mikalchuk to Adirondack for uh, defenseman Tim Theocherdis, uh, who turned pro last year. He played a couple games with Adirondack in the ECHL, and then also a couple up with Utica in the AHL. So the Icemen are able to trade away McCulchuk and get back a D who uh, at least got a shot last year uh, up in the American Hockey League. And then for Jacksonville, kind of rounding out uh, their recent news so far, their goalkeeper or goaltender, Charles Williams, will be returning for another season. He's been there the last handful of years as well. And as far as the Savannah Ghost Pirates are concerned, there's uh, no real news to report on that front. They haven't announced any player signings or anything of that nature. 
Uh, they have been selling tickets and merchandise like crazy, as to be expected with a uh, with a new franchise. But uh, they have not announced any uh, any new players quite yet. So that kind of wraps up uh, a South Division breakdown, if you will, of what's been going on here in the offseason. Mostly just player signings and maybe an affiliation change here or there. But now it's time to get to our interviews. Again, we have Preston Tucker and Dave Lazat on from the Gwinnett Stripers. Preston played a couple of seasons uh, with the Houston Astros, Cincinnati Reds, and the Atlanta Braves as well. His brother Kyle is a star with the Houston Astros currently. And funny enough, Preston actually crossed paths with uh, team president of the Gladiators, Jerry James, when both were with the Fresno Grizzlies a few years back in AAA. So it's fun to chat with him and with the Stripers broadcaster, Dave Lazat, who is basically a souped-up version of myself just on the baseball side of things. Dave does a great job over there uh, with Gwinnett, and he got himself a nice World Series ring uh, from his work uh, helping out the Braves in the postseason as well. So with that, let's go to Preston Tucker and Dave Lazat. And now it's a great pleasure to welcome on one of the starting outfielders for the Gwinnett Stripers. In his 10th professional season, he has spent parts of three seasons in the major leagues with the Atlanta Braves, Houston Astros, and Cincinnati Reds. He also spent three seasons over in Korea in the KBO. Uh, welcome out of the podcast, Preston Tucker. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be here. It's the uh, the dog days of July right now as we're recording this in the middle of a homestand here against the uh, the Durham Bulls. Is that the hardest part of the season right in the middle? You know, normally it is. Uh, with this team, it doesn't feel like it. Uh, you know, there's a ton of veteran guys, a ton of feel around here. Um, you know, I, I think our manager too, he's doing a great job of mixing guys in and out, giving us, uh, you know, off days when we need it. Uh, and it's hot here. So, <laughs> you know, if he, if he thinks, you know, the guys look a little sluggish, we won't take BP that day. Um, mm-hmm. everything's optional, but we're making sure everyone's getting their work in. So, uh, you know, we have the all-star break coming up, so that's something we that's get to right. look forward to, but you know, right, right now the season's, uh, it's, it's been a breeze, man. It's been fun. This is your, your 10th professional season here. How do you keep it fresh? How do you give yourself a daily edge? You know, like we, uh, in a spot where we are right now, where you're right mm-hmm. in the middle of the year. It, I know it can be a bit of a slog sometimes, but mm-hmm. how do you give yourself that edge? You know, older you get, the more it's about, you know, staying healthy and kind of ma- maintaining a routine. Because if you can't do that, then you're going to struggle either mentally or physically. Uh, you know, the older you, older you get, the more you're going to have, you know, uh, nicks and, you know, bruises where you're not going to feel great every day. So you got to figure out a way to, you know, mentally get ready for the game, be able to play the best you can. But, you know... Um, Again, it's it's with the team we have. I think everyone kind of keeps everybody up and keeps everyone positive. Earlier in the year, you guys had a lot of intrigue uh, surrounding you. I'm guessing kind of in that span, it, it wasn't as hard to keep that edge because you had Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, down with you guys. What mm-hmm. was he like and what was it like having that extra buzz around your club? It was a fun week. Uh, we didn't really know how long Ronald was going <laughs> to be here with us. Um, honestly, I don't even think he played a game at this ballpark. We had... Uh, we uh, a week in Jacksonville where right. he played almost every day. Jacksonville was sold out every every single night we were there. Um, you know, it was really cool. Obviously, I've, I've I've played with Ronald for a while and got to got to see him play when he was you know nineteen twenty years old. And mm-hmm. he obviously hasn't changed. He's gotten a lot better. <laughs> um, but you know, it's good to see that he progressed so quickly and that he made an immediate impact in the big leagues. Yeah, I, you probably didn't realize this because you guys are, are focused on, on your. Uh, game and all that stuff, but we were actually playing in Jacksonville that same week. And okay. down there, you've got you know hockey, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Jumbo Shrimp are all pretty much in that mm-hmm. same 
that same stretch there. We never could make it over to a game, though. We were trying to, but uh, we were playing at the same time. No, no. Again, like you know, I was saying earlier, with the way the setup is, with that ball, that ballpark right there, and the stadium right there, there's a lot of things to do. A lot of people are going to show up, and everyone's going to have fun. So it's always fun to go to Jacksonville. Uh, crowds are always great there. You weren't with the organization last year. Was it pretty exciting then for you to sign with a with an organization that's coming off the highest of highs in the baseball world, a, a World Series championship? Yeah, I never know what to expect every offseason. Um, you know, uh, every year's different. I know I'm going to be jumping into something new every time. It was nice to see familiar faces around here, um, knowing that, you know, uh, Anthopolis wanted, wanted me back, and I was going to, you know, I knew kind of what the Braves were going for and what they wanted to do in, in the organization. You know, it was really cool seeing them win the championship last year. Obviously, it was against my brother uh, right. in, in Houston, but, you know, I got a chance to see game six. It was a ton of fun, and I couldn't be happier for these guys. Your, your brother, Kyle Tucker, of course, a star with the Houston Astros. So I'm guessing you knew uh, you were also in the Astros organization for a number of years. I'm mm-hmm. guessing you knew a lot of guys on both sides of that. I did, yeah. Um, you know, now it's, I think my last year in the big leagues with Houston was 2016. So there's only a handful of guys still there. Um, but, you know, baseball, everyone knows everybody. So I know some guys that were that are on Houston now that weren't with them um, at that point. So, mm-hmm. you know, anytime I see a, a big league game or come across, um, you know, any team we play, I, I know a handful of those guys. Yeah, uh, you yourself were a part of a World Series winning organization uh, that would have been 2017 mm-hmm. with the Astros. Is that right? Yeah. You were with in Fresno at that time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, I think I was the only guy on the 40, man, not called up that year. Oh. Um but no, it was it was cool. It was the first championship Houston had, um, I think, ever. And um, uh, fortunately, a lot of the guys I played with that year got to experience that, and that was cool for them. What's that like being part of the AAA club when, you know, the the team in the majors is winning that World Series, and, and you guys might be getting picked apart here and there uh, throughout the season, especially later on roster wise. Yeah, you don't know what to expect. Uh, the rules were different then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 25 man rosters, but you could call up all 40 um, guys in September. Yeah. So towards the end of the season, uh, we were missing a lot of parts. But you know, it was cool to see those guys have su- some success up there, and a lot of those guys actually got to see action in the World Series that year. So it was cool seeing them mm-hmm. on TV. You did win a championship yourself, though. That was in the uh, Pacific League, I-, I believe it was with Fresno. Uh huh. I think that was uh, what year was it? 15. It was 2015. Okay. Um, yeah. So I actually I had a really good month at the beginning of 2015. Um, I, I was called up uh, in early May, and I was up the entire year. And then I got optioned right – I don't think it was technically an option, but I got sent down for like eight or ten days right before September call-ups. And they had clinched the championship uh, like the second day I was there. So it, uh, the guys I got to play with the first month of the year that were there the whole year, yeah. I, I got to experience that with them. So that was cool. We had a okay. lot of fun. That's awesome. So, so you have kind of gone through – uh, a lot of the travel stuff that our players on the hockey side go through with the long bus trips and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that as you have worked your way up. What kind of guy are you on the bus? Are you just put the headphones in and, and watch a show? Are, are you trying to sleep or are you playing cards with, with the guys? Or I, where are you I, at? I definitely don't play cards. Um, no, that's I, I like to I like to relax. Um, sleep's hard to come by on a bus. Yeah. Fortunately, in this league, travel's pretty easy compared to what I had done in the PCL. Mm-hmm. Um, usually six-hour bus trips, so we're getting in before midnight. And we play six days a week, so we're traveling on off days. It's usually pretty easy. Um, I like to watch movies, Netflix, yeah. whatever, just kind of hang out. Gotcha. Well, what, uh, what kind of movie shows you into? Um, I'm, I'm in, kind of in between shows right now. I'm I'm watching, uh, I, st- I started a show on Amazon Prime called The Boys. There's about three or four seasons of that. Is so that the just, superhero one? Yeah, I just started that one. It's uh, 
Yeah, it's definitely interesting, that's for sure. Okay, gotcha. Well, we've been talking about North American baseball so far. I did want to bring up when you went over to Asia and you played in, uh, in Korea in mm. the KBO. What first prompted that move? You know, I'd always told myself, you know, I'd always been a platoon guy, either a platoon or bench guy. So I was trying to figure out what could uh, prolong my career. And I always told myself, as soon as I was off the 40-man roster, where I'd have to either sign a minor league deal somewhere or trying to fight for a roster spot, uh, then I'd be open to playing um, overseas somewhere. So the Braves uh, DFA'd me, outrighted me at the end of 2018. I think it was right before the Rule 5. So a bunch of guys get uh, taken off the roster at that point. So that's when I tried to, I, I told my agent I wanted to kind of press towards, you know, trying to find a deal overseas. You know, unfortunately, at that point, I think all the spots were taken. Um, so I kind of had to wait for a spot to open up. You know, a lot of guys get released uh, or hurt in early May. And I was, you know, I went over there the first week, first week of May uh, in 2019. So it only took me, I played three or four weeks uh, in Charlotte. And it happened pretty quickly within mm-hmm. four or five days of, them contacting me and saying they're interested, I was over there. Uh, I just wanted an opportunity to play every day and, you know, see how long I could do it for. All the immigration stuff was that quick? I know sometimes that can be kind of a hang-up. Yeah, well, it wasn't quick. So I went over there, and I had to wait probably two or three weeks before I could actually get a working visa and, and um, actually be able to play. So I, I, I was about two weeks where I just kind of sat around, uh, tried to get try to adjust to the 13-hour time difference. But, okay. um, you know, as soon as that was taken care of, I was in a lineup. I'm starting every day, playing uh, six days a week. Did you know anybody when you went over there? Like, were there other imports who also spoke English? What was that like? Yeah, so it, the KBO is interesting. You get thir- There's 10 teams, and you can only have three foreign guys per team. Mm-hmm. Um, usually two of them are pitchers and one's a position player. So I knew a handful of guys that were on other teams that I didn't, you know, we would rarely see. Um, I actually didn't know the guys I was playing with. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, I mean, there's a ton of guys that have played the KBO and come back. Uh, one of the guys that just came over to Durham here, Joe Wheeland, was a pitcher from my first year in Korea. He was there my first year. So, uh, yeah, like I said, you kind of know, the longer you play, you kind of know everybody and things come full circle. Now, I'll speak for myself, but I can probably speak for a lot of our fans as well who I'm guessing are not as familiar with the KBO. Are there any like wacky rules, or is it pretty much the exact same? The game? rules are the same. Uh, the way you know, the way the fans are involved in the game is very different. They treat it like a soccer game. Everyone's singing, cheering the entire game. Is that cool? Or? It's it's it, it. actually took me a while to get used to because you're so you're so used to that white noise and kind of you know it, it's it's pretty silent up until there's a play made. Uh, it, the entire game in the KBO, everyone's singing, everyone's cheering. Uh, it's it's definitely different, but once you get used to it, it's a ton of fun. Okay, and you were playing for, was it Kia? It was the Kia Tigers, yeah. Okay, now is that like the car manufacturer? Kia? It is. Uh, all the teams uh, are, are corporately sponsored. Uh, there's Samsung, LG, Kia, you know, a ton of brands over there. Uh, so it's not the city that you're in. It's basically the team that's sponsoring you. Okay. Because we, uh, the Gladiators actually signed a Korean hockey player who had, had played over in the Olympics uh, in Pyeongchang. Okay. Is, so... I think our fan base, and also because of the Korean population here in Gwinnett, mm-hmm. is a little bit more knowledgeable about Korea than maybe some other minor league fan bases. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. are, were all the teams pretty much around that Seoul area? Uh, about five of them were. Okay. Uh, it's just, I think the country is the size, I think they told me the size of Indiana. It's a small country, um, but there's 50, 60 million people there. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> travel's very easy. Uh, you can go from one side of the country to the other in five hours. 
Um, the bus trips aren't too bad. In the, the super KBO. easy, but I'd say about uh, half the teams are in Seoul. I was about four hours away from Seoul. Now, I'm curious, too, because like I mentioned, we have such a, a large Korean population here in mm-hmm. Gwinnett. Do you ever have like the Korean food over here and then kind of compare it to what you had over there? There's some pretty good Korean places over here. Um, so it has your stamp of approval. After no, they're, they're good. Um, and I, there's Korean fans that come to these games all the time. Um, I'll see them in Kia Tigers uh, jerseys or sweaters or whatever saying hi. Uh, and they're the most enthusiastic fans here. So it's, it's always nice to see fans that kind of, you know, followed you overseas and want to see you play over here as well. And, and I'm, I'm only asking because I, I don't know. I'm a little ignorant on this. But, like, would you have, like, a, a Korean translation across your jersey? Or would it just say, like, Tucker in English script? No, it was in back? Korean. Um, okay. Yeah, so I actually, I could read it. I learned how to, the alphabet's relatively easy. I didn't know how to, I didn't understand most of it. Um, but yeah, everything's in Korean. Um, but, you know, they actually, they like the way uh, English looks better. So on jerseys, all the, you know, they, uh, it would say Kia in English. It would say, okay. you know, Samsung in English, Doosan in English. Um, they just, they just like the way the English print looked better on jerseys. Interesting. So you couldn't really understand much of it, but you could read it. Did yeah. you have a translator or anything? Like on yeah, staff? yeah, we all had translators. Um, you know, from year to year, there would be one translator with all three players. So some years I'd have my own translator. It just depends on, you know, who needed what. And, yeah. you know, we had a lot of Americans on our team, so we did have a lot of translators. So it was, uh, it was we had a pretty good setup over there. Well, we're glad it worked out for you because it looked like you had that, that really good first season and then you signed a couple of big tickets after mm-hmm. that. And, and then we're glad to have you have you stateside here. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, it was, I'm kind, I'm kind of happy I didn't have the season I wanted to in 2021 because... I, pr- I would have gone back there and really oh yeah um but you know the, the older I get you know priorities change and sure. you know I, I I'm glad I'm glad I'm where I'm at and I'm, I'm having a, I'm having a great time here but uh you know I definitely won't forget my three years over there absolutely uh you're a Tampa guy mm-hmm. so you're, you're not crazy far away from home right now but mm-hmm. you're a Tampa guy I heard you're a Tampa Bay Lightning fan yes as well yeah, you, you you like go to those games a lot when you're back home, then or yeah, I go to as many as I can um, between five and ten every off season. It lines up perfectly right yeah. when the baseball season's done. That's when hockey's kind of ramping up. You know, unfortunately, the playoffs are normally right in the middle of the baseball season, um, so I've always missed out on that. But I think of just about everybody in Tampa is a Lightning fan. Yeah. Um, Hard not to be. Now. The last couple years, I'd say people are Bucks fans because of Brady. But I'd say everyone's been a Lightning fan for a long time there. Gotcha. How did you kind of get into that? Was that just something to do that you and your family did when you were back home in Tampa? Or had you we always been like a hockey guy? We didn't go to that many Lightning games when I was growing up. Okay. Um, I think back when they, were, uh, when they won the Stanley Cup uh, against Calgary way back when I was in middle school, I think that's kind of when I kind of bought into it. And mm-hmm. there, you know, I was kind of following the superstars, and everyone was all about the Lightning. And then I, I just follow them ever since. And every time I go home, be able to watch the, you know four or five games a week on TV, and that was kind of what I liked to you know to do in the off season. Some people like golfing, some people like you know traveling. I like watching hockey. <laughs> That's awesome. I know our fans will love that answer. Can you skate? Uh, I, I haven't been on skates <laughs> in a long time. Um, I I could skate when I when I would when I would do it, but it's been a while. Okay. So like like on a date like on a free skate or something like that you can like make your way around. I can hold my own. Oh yeah yeah okay. yeah yeah yeah. Okay, gotcha. Well, who knows? Maybe we uh, we throw you in some gear and sign you to a PTO or something like that. I would pay a lot of money to be able to do that for a day. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Uh, one last question: Do you remember your first home run in, my, the, ma- in the majors? My first home run in the majors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a pinch hit home run. I went the other way against Joaquin Soria in Detroit. 
So yes, you do remember. Yes, <laughs> yeah, no, because the the guy played for 15 years. He was a great pitcher. Uh, it was a big home run. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was it was pretty important. I was kind of, you know, <laughs> zoned out because it was my you know first week or so in the big leagues. Yeah. But no, yeah, definitely. Uh, no one no one forgets their first homer. Yeah, you remember like what pitch? I mean, can you like see, still see the spin on it and yeah, stuff it was a like fastball, that? Fastball, a little cut fastball away. Is that is yeah. that your spot right there? Not normally, no. <laughs> I was just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of blacked out and had a good IB. Awesome. Well, like I said, hopefully we can uh, get you into Glad's gear soon and uh, and see what you can do on the ice and see if you're as impressive as you are out there on the field. That would be cool. Thank you. Thanks for doing this, and uh, good luck tonight and this week. Yeah, thank you. And now we're pleased to bring on from the Gwinnett Stripers, the media relations manager and the broadcaster. He's been in pro baseball for 23 seasons. 11 of those have been at the AAA level. It is Dave Lazat. Dave, thank you for joining us here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we're sitting up here in the press box. It's a beautiful day. Batting practice is about to start. I mean, this is like what baseball is supposed to be. It's just awesome to be here because usually we're inside. You know, it's dark. The hockey rinks are cold and all that stuff. But it, it's quite the juxtaposition of, of broadcasting perches, yours versus mine. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. I've never uh, done a hockey broadcast, but obviously I've been to many a hockey game over the course of my lifetime. But, uh, yeah, nothing beats a nice warm summer day with, like you said, BP about to start and a game in a few hours. So uh, we play a lot. We play 150 games over the course of the season. So it can get a little... Monotonous from day to day, mm-hmm. but uh, a day like today with the sun out and hopefully the rain staying away, it's perfect. Well, how's the season going so far? How's it going for you? How's the team doing? It looks like they're they're fairly competitive. There's a decent amount of up and down between uh, you guys and the uh, World Series champion uh, Atlanta Braves. But uh, uh, what, how's it been uh, so far here in 2022? It's been good so far. You know, we're over halfway through the season, so we've got about 60 games or so left in the year. Uh, the roster move side has not been too busy, so that's been good. The better the Braves play, usually the more they keep our group intact. Uh, being the AAA affiliate, obviously, you know, we are the team that they call upon when they have a need because of injury. When a guy like Ozzie Albies goes down, a Phil Gosselin goes up. Uh, when they need pitching, they obviously tap our guys for that. But it's been good. We're, we're right around the 500 mark. Um, obviously, you know, we've had some hills and valleys along the way. Um, we've had some hot stretches of the year. We've had some low stretches. Right now, we're kind of in a middle of, you know, a middle of the road stretch. I mean, this is very much a 500 ball club uh, carried by pitching. Our starting staff's been excellent. Our relief staff is, has been improving as the year's gone on with some new faces in there. Offensively, we've struggled to, to, to score runs, certainly. Uh, not a lot of prospects on this roster currently. We just lost Drew Waters to a trade over to Kansas City. Uh, the biggest prospect on the roster offensively is Braden Shoemake. It's a lot of veterans in addition uh, to him. And, uh, you know, it's guys that the Braves trust if they ever have an injury that brings one of those guys up to the big leagues. But it's a very veteran team. Uh, the coaching staff here does a great job, Matt Tuiasasopo, and keeping those guys motivated to play every day. Um, obviously, everybody's goal is to get to the major leagues. But uh, it's been good. It's been good. That has to be pretty cool for you because there are so many of these veterans just going through the roster, guys who have seen at least a little bit of action in the major leagues. I would think that helps you as a broadcaster with a lot of these storylines. Absolutely. It makes for some great stories for a guy like a Preston Tucker, who I know you just got done talking to, for him to you know, make it to the major leagues, continue his career over in the Korean baseball organization, come back this year. It's his first year stateside since 2019 to be able to tell that story of a guy that's able to go overseas to continue his dream of playing professional baseball. Um, you know, guys that have been to the majors like Pat Vileka, like Aaron Perez, like Ryan Goins. Interestingly enough, one of our coaches, Devin Travis, his uh, first year coaching in triple A ball, he's the same age as Goins and Perez <laughs> and some of these guys. And so 
He and Goins play together in Toronto. Uh, Devin, when he was coming up through the Detroit system, the guy blocking him at second base was Perez. So stories like that are really cool uh, with a younger coaching staff, guys that really relate well to the game because they've just finished up their coaching careers. Uh, Matt Tuiasasopo, another one. He played here in Gwinnett, so to be able to tell the story of a guy who went from a playing career here in AAA for the Braves, who made it to the Braves briefly, mm-hmm. and now he's managing here and maybe on the fast track to maybe managing in the big league someday. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's great stories all around. Uh, it's a big roster. I think we got 33 players, so there's a lot of different stories to tell, offensively, defensively, pitching, relief staff, all of that. Coach Tuiasa Sopo, that's pretty close. I get that's that right. right. Yeah, that's okay. Absolutely How right. many uh, like opposing teams broadcasters come to your booth before a game checking that pronunciation? Uh, pretty much all of them. I mean, the good <laughs> news is we've had Tui for the last couple of years now. Um, his first year was last year, and he played in this league. Like I said, so he played for us. He played for Charlotte. He played for Buffalo. Had some time in the big leagues with a few different teams. So it's not a name that's foreign to. Uh, the broadcasters in this league. But okay. I, it's more the, the PA, the public address announcers come in and like, <laughs> okay, how do I say this exactly? Tui, uh, so Sopo. Coach, Coach Tui. Yeah. Right, we just call him Tui, <laughs> easy enough. Uh, do you know the your number of games on air in pro ball? Uh, all time? Mm-hmm. That is a good question. I started off in Clinton, Iowa in the Midwest League, and I did, I want to say, close to 1,000 games there. I think I did that many, maybe not. Um, I know it was over, it was around 800, I believe there. And then here, uh, this is only my second full season doing our broadcasts. I did a lot of fill in work, number two stuff, my first, um, eight seasons here. So I think uh-huh. I'm in the three hundreds here. Okay. Somewhere so, around there. So, so somewhere close to 1500 or, or around there, you think? Probably or? sounds about okay. right. And I've worked many, many more games on top of just uh-huh. broadcasts. Uh, uh, so it's been it's a lot. I mean, because in hockey, I mean, you're probably familiar, but uh, when a guy gets a thousand games, he gets a, a silver stick in the NHL. And okay, we had our, right. our captain Derek Nesbitt, who reached a thousand pro games, and yeah. we gave him a silver stick as well. It probably doesn't exactly line up one to one baseball to hockey. Uh, you guys play a little bit, probably can play a little bit longer, and you play more games in a season. So, um, not sure if that's silver stick status for you quite yet, but you're on your way. It sounds I've like I've got to be in the vicinity. I would think. Yeah, uh, you've been. In pro ball for the better or more than two decades, have you ever seen anything or been a part of anything like last season when the big club wins a World Series championship? No, no. I have never been a part of a winning team for a championship at any level prior to last year. Uh, I've been with teams that have been close. In Clinton, we got to the, the final game of the championship series in 2010 and lost a close one. Uh, here in Gwinnett, we made the championship series in 2016 got to the fourth game of that uh, best-of-five series and lost. So I've been close. I've had some heartbreaks uh, in my sports career. Prior to this, I, I worked in Milwaukee when there were lean times for the Brewers, when they mm-hmm. were kind of rebuilding their organization in the early 2000s, so never got a chance to to be around a team that won it there. Uh, so, yeah, last year was a first for me, and I know a first for a lot of folks in the Brave system and, and on our staff here at Gwinnett. And uh, what a memorable time it was. Uh, it's the highlight of my career so far uh, to be able to – Work World Series games, first off, was a dream. I had attended only one World Series game prior to last year in my entire lifetime, so to be able to be there, to work, uh, to to have the press pin, to have the mm-hmm. credentials and all that, to show that I was there, to have the pictures. To um, have the ring. To have the ring, right. Well, that came <laughs> later on. You know, yeah. that, that certainly that, that came this year. But uh, to be really maybe the coolest part for me was they invited our staff to participate in that uh, World Series parade. That's awesome. So we get a chance to ride in the parade. I was in the trolley car behind like the first bus 
of players. So I was right in there, like right behind Jorge Soler and Eddie Rosario, had their own little personal MVP cars. Yeah. And then was our little trolley uh, with our staff and some of the other Brave staff on there. Um, so I had never in a million years dreamed that I'd always hoped I'd be around long enough to be, you know, win a, win a ring and, and win a title somewhere. I always figured it'd be in the minor leagues, triple A ball, wherever. But to have that experience of a World Series being the first one and then for the Braves to take us really along for that whole ride, I mean, that's it doesn't get any better because mm-hmm. you never know. Like, there's people that have been in the major leagues for decades that never get that chance. And to right. be able to do that as a AAA announcer and media relations manager, that's more than I could have ever asked for. And like you said, we got the ring, too. That was yeah. this year. That was really kind of the final payoff of all of it that uh, – you know, solidifies your place in history. But yeah, it was great. It's it's best best time of my career by far. I don't think every big league club does that with with their AAA. Or I mean, I, I think a lot of times maybe some front office staff gets a ring or something like that. But I wouldn't think that a lot of times they're bringing the uh, right the, the AAA front office staff along with them on the parade. Well, it was a little different for us because at the time, and it's different now, but we were owned by the Braves. Braves mm-hmm. owned three out of their four minor league teams, so the Rome folks in a ball. Uh, the AA Mississippi folks were all involved. They were all flown in for the World Series to watch those games. Um, so they really brought everybody along for the ride. And I know it's different now. Uh, we're now with Diamond Baseball Holdings in our first year as part of that ownership group. Uh, so it's a little bit different situation, but certainly the fact that we were all Braves employees, I think, made it natural for us to be a part of that. And, and kudos again to the Braves for for making sure that that happened, you know, that because even though we were part of the organization that could have easily said, Hey, this is for our major league staff. Right. And, you know, thanks for you guys. You can come to the games, but stuff like the parade and the ring, I think we're just above and beyond anything you could have asked for. When you guys were in the parade, were, were people coming up to you with beers and stuff like that? I mean, like yeah, what, what, what were all bit. the shenanigans that were going on? Yeah. I mean, I've never seen, again, it's, I've seen plenty of championship parades on TV. So you know what you're in for a little bit, but you don't really, can't understand right, it. Right, right. You can't get the perspective of what it looks like turning the corner onto, you know, uh, one break, you know, the the, the, the the road the stadium's on. Uh-huh. And just seeing the sea of people in the battery, like, all the way deep and people holding their kids up and people that made signs. I took a, a ton of pictures of that experience because you just never know if it's ever going to happen for you again and you mm-hmm. want to be able to document it as best you can. But pictures don't do it. You know, pictures, video don't do it justice. It's, it's a whole different animal when you're there in person. But... Uh, it was amazing. You guys had a lot of ground to cover in that parade. I remember people remarking about how fast the procession was moving. Yeah. Did you guys notice that as it was happening? Like, wow, we're really going here. Well, there were two legs of the parade. They had the first one, which was the downtown Atlanta part. And actually, I wasn't on that one. Okay. Um, so they had some staff. They basically split up a lot of folks because it's a pretty big front office staff between Atlanta and the minor league affiliates and the players and the coaches and all that. So they had the first leg, which was downtown Atlanta. And, yeah, we saw on social media the bus sipping down the road. Um, we were in the second leg where it was basically just kind of the Cobb County surrounding area of Truist Park. So we got a little bit – our ride was a little bit slower. Okay. Um, I think they had kind of learned by that point, uh, you know, let's slow things down a little bit, let people enjoy it. So our, our yeah. ride was pretty slow and methodical, and uh, we got our money's worth for sure. They kind of had to – the city had to ease its way back into winning a little bit, I guess, yeah, right? It, it, it had, had been, been a while. 30 right. years It had been a while. Like Braves Brave certainly <laughs> broke the seal on it for, for the city. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I'm curious is I want to know one thing that maybe outsiders can't possibly understand about what it's like being the AAA team when the big league club is winning like they were. What's something that us on the outside would have no idea about that you guys – went through and kind of maybe surprised you? That's a good question because, I mean, the the run for the Braves happened 
largely as our season was winding down. So I don't think, you know, certainly we had figured that the Braves were going to make the playoffs by the time we got to October. Our season finished at the beginning of October. It's the latest we've ever gone, um, kind of the new way that things work out for AAA now without that September 1 call-up that used to bring a lot of guys up. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's certainly changed. But I I don't know. You know, I think the Braves have made the postseason so many times in recent years and had that tough first round, and then they finally got over the hump to the NLCS in 2020. So I don't think anybody really – I mean, you always believe it can happen, but you never – you're never exactly sure. So like when our season ended and we packed up for the year, um, you know, I don't know that we knew that we were going to be along for the ride that we were. We did know that, you know, as long as the Braves were in the postseason, that we would still have an element of players here. So that's probably something that a lot of people don't realize is that we had what they call a stay hot camp, um, kind of a mini taxi squad working okay. out here at Cool Ray Field. So like there was during the, the postseason, during the postseason, right during the postseason, they're still here working out to stay fresh. Not a full thirty-man roster, but a handful of guys that are on yeah. the forty uh, that they want to have available. And then those guys came into into play as the series went along. Um, a guy like Jorge Soler, I know he had the, I think he turned up on the COVID list at one point during the postseason. So postseason's going on, and all of a sudden they send him here to work out after he's already played. In the NLDS, you know, NLCS is going on and Eddie Rosario is doing his thing here. You know, we're sitting here midday watching Solaire take BP at Coleray Field, knowing mm-hmm. like, hey, this guy, once he's ready, is going to go if they make the he's World Series. He's going to be a World Series hero. Yeah. <laughs> right. We didn't know at the time he was going to be the, the MVP of the World Series, but he was here in October working out. Uh, Tucker Davidson, Dylan Lee, guys who made starts in the World Series, uh, they were here working out. Tucker got his call when he was at the, the team hotel down the road here. Uh, to let him know he was going to be joining the roster for the World Series. So I think a lot of people probably don't realize just how much of an effect we still had after our season was over. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that you looked at the the Braves' final World Series roster, and I believe it was 13 players that had come through Gwinnett last season alone. Mm-hmm. Like not just guys who had been in Gwinnett at some point in the past, but guys who had played for the Stripers last year were in the World Series. And some of those guys were rehab assignments like a a Travis Darno or an Ian Anderson, but mm-hmm. there were guys like an Orlando Arcia that had been with us for a good chunk of the year, or a Kyle Wright who had a big, you know, big moment for him in the postseason that that kept the Braves moving after a rough start by Dylan Lee. He had been here all year with Gwinnett, so um, just the fact that it wasn't like our impact on it was long ago. It was right yeah. then and there, really. It seems like there's a very intimate relationship between big brother and little brother, you guys here in AAA, that, that obviously has produced some fruit in the last couple last couple of years, resulting in a World Series championship, a ring for you. Uh, but also, uh, I was asking Preston Tucker this when I interviewed him earlier. Earlier this season, I'm sure you had to deal with this quite a bit, but brave superstar Ronald Acuna Jr. comes down for uh, just a week, I believe it was, right. to, to, to work with you guys. I mean, you're handling all the media, basically, that that's surrounding the team during that span. What was that like for you and, and for the club? That's a challenge. Um, obviously, a guy like Acuna, you know, being a generational star, being what, you know, I think he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. I think that's fair to say. He's still got a long career ahead of him to determine that. But um, to have him rejoining the club on a rehab assignment, we were on the road. We were in Jacksonville. As were we. Yeah, I was telling right, Preston we were, right. we were right next door. At, I think uh, I remember hearing about at that. Star. Um, so it's a little it's it's one thing to have those rehabs at home because you know it's going to bring out the local media and you know there's going to be some you've got to find his availability. You have to work with his schedule to make him free to talk to media. And in Ronald's case, typically he's got uh, Franco Garcia 
uh, from the brave staff who interprets for him. So we had to work that out, which coach was going to do the interpreting for him. So that's always a challenge, but then you throw in the mix that it's on the road and Jacksonville is sort of a Braves hotbed. It's kind of the Southern, you know, it's North Florida. So it's not far enough to really be Tampa. It's not really far enough to be Miami Marlins. So it's a lot of Braves fans up there. Uh, So they packed that place the whole series we were there. And we knew that there was going to be at least one or two games when Acuna probably wasn't going to play because of the rehab. He might play the first two and then have the third one off. And so, you know, we wouldn't always know exactly when that was going to be. But, you know, a fan that drives from far out to go see him and he doesn't play, you hear about it on social media and they're (laughs) blowing you up. And why is Acuna not in the lineup? It's like, Uh hey, it's part of the plan. Uh, but it's there's a lot more moving parts to it um, when you're on the road and, and trying to coordinate that because we still had the Jacksonville local media and some media from Atlanta that came all the way to Jacksonville. So that's the added pressure of, hey, if I've got to get this for you because you drove all this way to cover it. Right. And then on top of that, I'm preparing to do a broadcast. You know, so it's that's always a tough situation juggling the you know the media relations role and the broadcast role because they're similar but different and each are you know obviously meaningful. Was there a moment or a swing for uh, for Acuna when he was down there in Jacksonville with you guys, where you looked at it and you're like, "Oh, okay, he's ready, he's yeah, back." Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It was. I think it was his first game. Quite honestly, he hit a ball off the top of the wall in right center that gets out of pretty much every other ballpark in this league, except for Jacksonville. That's a very deep yard, high fence out in right center field. Um, I was talking to players after the game and the next day, and they're like, "Hey, if he's not going to hit that ball out, like." I think we hit two homers in the whole series, and it's when the wind finally started blowing out later on. But um, he hit, you know, it was a frozen rope out off the wall in right center. It's like, yep, that's the Acuna swing right there. Like, yeah. as long as he's feeling good. He's back. He's back. <laughs> and, he, had, you know, he was active on the base paths. Like, he, there was nothing slowing him down. He had a big smile on his face the whole time. Like, you could just see the joy that he had being able to play baseball again. He didn't care what level it was. He didn't care that it was rehab. He was happy to be back out there again. And, um you know, he's got an electric personality. You see it affect the Major League Club. You know, it affected our club while he was here. Affect the whole league, really. Right, yeah. right. I mean, he's a marquee player, and it's fun to be a part of his story, for sure. Absolutely. I wanted to, to ask a couple questions about you uh, before we let you go here. You're a Wisconsin guy, right? Right, yes. So you had mentioned you've kind of been around hockey and stuff like that. Obviously, there's no pro team uh, up in Wisconsin, but... Uh, was there a team that you had an affinity for growing up? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I had been going to, so we have the Milwaukee Admirals. Uh, it's uh, sorry, yeah, yeah. No, uh, no NHL no team. No NHL in, team, in yeah. They built the Wisconsin. Bradley Center in the late 80s with the idea that they were going to bring an NHL team to town, and then it just never worked out that way. But the Admirals were always fun to go watch as a kid. Um, I've been to many games. You know, I basically would probably go to about five to six games plus a season um, when the Admirals were in town when I was still living back home, of course. Um, But really when it took off for me, like the first team that I really latched onto is I jumped right on the the Avalanche bandwagon in 96. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's the first. I was in middle school, and the first. that's really the first time I watched – hockey on TV. I think I might have been kind of drawn in by the light-up puck, which I know is uh, very, uh, you know... No, it it's, had its moment. It had its, it its moment in its past, yeah. right. But I was intrigued by it, and so I ended up watching uh, that, that, that playoff series against Detroit, and, you know, it's an epic series. It's got its own 30-for-30 30 30 series and all that stuff. Um, so that's where it first captured my attention, and watching Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg... And a guy, you know, I saw Adam Foot with the name Foot on the back, and he's got a foot on his shoulder. And I was like, what is that about? That's why do they have a foot for a logo? 
and Patrick Waugh and like, how is it? It says, it says Roy on his Jersey. Why is it Waugh? So like as a kid that intrigued me yeah. and then watching them win that series and then go and sweep uh, Florida in the finals. I was watching, I watched all three overtimes of that game four and Yui Krupp with the final shot from the point that went in to win it. And so that was pretty much when I started really watching hockey. Um, I wouldn't say immediately I was like hardcore avalanche fan, but as I started playing hockey video games and started playing, I played a lot of street hockey with my friends in high school. Oh, yeah. uh, we played pretty much every Sunday and we kind of had our Red Wings and Avs faction. <laughs> and I was on the Avs side and I was the Sackick and we had a Forsberg and I was the wrist shot guy and he was the, the big slapper. And we, you know, so that's kind of how we got into it. So we had our own little rivalry with our friends that were Red Wings guys. And um, we watched the, uh, that same group of friends, my, my hockey friends, we watched, we were at a graduation party in 01 when the Avs won their second cup. So we were watching game seven against the Devils uh, okay. during that grad party. Yeah. Uh, the Ray Bork Before moment. you could like watch it on your phone right. under the table. You right. Had well, to... <laughs> our, the, the funny thing is, is our, I, earlier that series is the day we, we graduated and we were getting like that pocket of friends of mine were getting updates somehow on the status of the game. I think Colorado needed to win on the road to send it back to game seven. I believe it was game six. That's when we graduated. And I, again, I forget how we were finding out, but it's like, oh, the Avs just scored. They're up. Yeah. There's, so, no, there's no Twitter then. Right, right. right. There's, yeah, it's 2001. So it's, it's the, the stone age of, of technology. So I don't know how we were getting the updates, but, you know, we watched game seven at that grad party later in the week and, um, yeah, I've been, I'm pretty hardcore about it. I have no geographical tie to the Avalanche. You know, I definitely jumped on in 96, but I've been there since. I've been there through the lean times. Uh, I can tell you, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody who just knows the stars. I know yeah. I know the lines. I know the defensive pairings, all that stuff. Well, so. congratulations, Thank by you. the way. Thank on you very your, much. Uh, on your, your, your Stanley Cup. Uh, what, what do you think of this past free agency here? It's been interesting. I mean, I know everybody wants to see Nas Kadri sign. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have enough money for that at this point. Uh, getting Lekkinen back, I like that. I mean, the guy scored two series-winning goals, so, I mean, it's good to have him back in the fold. Uh, Manson's good to have back on defense. I think, you know, defensively they showed in that series against Tampa, you know, they can lock it down like Tampa was doing to other teams. So yeah. uh, I think you trust in Joe Sackick. You kind of let him – you stand back, let him do his thing. Uh-huh. Um it's led to a Stanley Cup. What so. did the, the Nuchushkin signed a pretty big deal? He did, as yeah. Well. You okay with that? I think it was yeah. eight years, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you never know as this, as a contract like that plays out. Like, I mean, it's you're basing it off of a lot of raw emotions, and I mm-hmm. think you know what he did in the postseason. Some recency bias, it, right? yeah. But it's not too far removed from that season with Dallas where he didn't score a goal the whole year. So, like, you're hoping. He stays hopefully, on the current track. Hopefully he broke the seal. Right, right. right. But again, in Sackick we trust. We'll let, you know, he knows more than I do about hockey personnel. So that's well, the guys he went after, and I'm good with it. I've, I've been a Blues homer, and um, so that series against you guys was uh, was a fun one. I thought just winning two games against you guys, I yeah. thought they should have given us the cup right there yeah. for just for that accomplishment. But, yeah, that, uh, that series had my favorite goal I think I've ever seen in the postseason. And you probably know which one I'm going to talk about. It didn't even win the game. It was... Uh, game five that the Blues won to send it to game six, but it was the uh, Nathan McKinnon coast-to-coast. Oh, uh, gosh. Oh, tied up in between his disgusting. legs, puts the move on, tied, you know, he's got the puck between his feet, and he elevates it for the what should have been the game winner. I, yeah, thought. I, was, I yeah. was going nuts. We were on the road somewhere, and I was in the hotel watching it, and I, yeah. thought, I said, okay, that's the series right there. It didn't turn out. That was Played another game after that. That was a gross one. Well, Dave, uh, 
you got to run here. I, they're starting BP. This has been great. I don't want to take up too much of your yeah, time. It's been good. But uh, we'll have to uh, bring you back on a little closer to uh, closer to the start of our season, so we can get some more of these these hockey breakdowns and uh, good. get a full recap of uh, free agency and the the summer signing period. Happy to do it. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, good luck tonight. Good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Preston and Dave for coming on and chatting with us. Uh, both of them a lot of fun. Both of them hockey guys uh, a little bit undercover there. Uh, if you have not made it out to Cool Ray Field for a game yet, uh, uh, please do. It, it is a great time up here in Gwinnett County. Uh, it's an affordable way to watch some in- incredibly high-quality baseball. you got guys like, like Preston Tucker who have spent you know sizable amounts of time in the major leagues, and he's not the only one on this Stripers roster as well. And so uh, it's a good place to watch a game. I encourage you to to check it out. Go cheer on Preston. Or if you can't make it, listen to uh, listen to Dave Lazant. You can tune in on 99.3 uh, up in the Gwinnett area. So uh, another big thanks to them for coming on. Again, single game and season tickets are available for the Gladiators right now. 770-497-5100. The best place to get those and be on the lookout for more player signings here in the next few days for the Gladiators. I know there's a few big ones that are kind of in the pipeline that should be getting announced relatively soon. I would expect another one uh, to drop here this week. So keep a lookout uh, for the Gladiators' social media pages. Uh, that's probably the best place to, to get info. That's at ATL Gladiators on Twitter and on Instagram. And, of course, you can find them on Facebook uh, as well. All of that news gets blasted out to those channels. But we thank you for listening in here uh, this week. We'll get Nezzy on the podcast in a little bit to talk about his retirement. We'll get some of these new player signees on the podcast to kind of get talking about the upcoming season, and we'll continue to uh, bring on more personalities from the Atlanta sports community as well. We'll see you next time on another edition of the Atlanta Gladiators podcast. 